As we move into our first example, we're going to look at consumer and producer surplus. So the problem given is find the consumer and producer surplus for the supply and demand equations. P equals the square root of x plus 9, and P equals the square root of 25 minus x. You could also think of this as little p of x, right? A price depending on a number of units that you either want to sell or uh, buy. So we have these two functions, and in order to know which is which, don't automatically assume that the first one given is supply just because they say supply and demand. In order to know, we need to look at the graphs and then use a little bit of um, business sense to figure out which is which. So let's start with y equals the square root of x plus 9. Now, if you remember that, the square root of x would start at the origin and go up to the right, then if you add 9 to the x, that's a horizontal shift, 9 units to the left. So the function looks like this, right? Now the other function is the square root of 25 minus x. This one might be easier to say, okay, what x value gives me 0 in the square root? And that x value is 25, right? So when x is 25, p is 0, and p is our y in this case, right? So not drawing quite to scale, but if I put 25 here, then I have a, um, a square root function. But then should I go to the right or should I go to the left? So then I look here and I say, oh, wait a minute, there's a negative in front of the x. So what would be if it were just the square root of negative x? Remember, multiplying the variable x by a negative number inside what could be thought of as parentheses is the same as taking the reflection in the y-axis of the graph of the square root of x. So we're taking the square root of x and we're reflecting it in the y-axis. So that means if it would normally go to the right, now it's going to flip over and go to the left. So it's going to go up from 25 and to the left. Now another thing that can help us is to figure out what should be the y-intercept then of the graph. And remember the y-intercept, or you might have just said, hey, I'll do that from the beginning, right? When x is 0, you have the y-intercept p equals the square root of 25, which is 5. So now the question is, does it go here or above or below or right there? So we have the y-intercept of 5. How can we get the other y-intercept? That's right. Go to the other function, right? The square root of x plus 9, plug in 0 for x, and you get the square root of 9, which is 3. So this is 3. I should have done that from the beginning. And the other one is 5 up here. So now I've, I've, I need to create an arc here, something like that. This is my square root function going to the left. should have left it alone. And the other one is my square root function going to the right. So which one's supply and which one's demand? To figure that out, we need to think about which is which. First of all, the x-axis is the number of units you're selling, and the y-axis is the price based on the number of units you either want to sell or buy. So the price is on the y-axis. So that means that this function here, the square root of x plus 9, 
is getting higher as x increases. So that means the more units you want to sell, the price is going up. Now, would that be a uh, consumer's point of view, that they're going to buy more uh, they're going to buy more if the price increases? Now, they're going to be the other way around, right? For, an in- for a very high price, you're going to not have as many consumers willing to buy. But as the price drops, you're going to have more consumers willing to purchase it. So it looks like the top function is the demand function. So you could say demand little p of x equals square root 25 minus x. And you may recall, oh, that's right, the demand function has a negative slope, usually, right? The demand slope has the demand function has a negative slope. The supply function is little p of x equals the square root of x plus nine. Positive slope on the supply function. Because the more you charge, the more people are going to want to produce it, right? Because they're going to make a lot of money from it. So the more you can charge for something, the more people are going to want to get in on the action selling it. So um, so there are our demand and our supply functions. Now, what this section covers with applications is the notion of consumer surplus and producer surplus. It's actually a two-part question. We first find the consumer surplus, then we find the producer surplus. They're both related to the point of equilibrium, which is right there. This is called x sub e, the number of units sold at the point of equilibrium. And if I draw a horizontal line over here, this is p sub e, or p of x sub e also, the price at equilibrium, the equilibrium price. So that line right there, if I can make it straight, represents the line that cuts your region into two, two different regions. If you look at the area above the uh, line y equals the equilibrium price, you're looking at the thing called the consumer surplus. And we're probably going to have to draw a separate picture for the first part, looking for consumer surplus. The part under the line, but, but above the supply curve, is the producer surplus. And so if we want consumer, we want to look above. If we want producer, we look below. And you can imagine, if, this, if we're looking at areas, then we need integration, right? So this is why it's an application of integration um, to, and more importantly, the, an application of integration using the area between two curves to find either consumer surplus or producer surplus. So now that's the idea. Let's start with, first of all, the point of equilibrium, right? We have it drawn on the picture, but we don't know what it is numerically. So now that we've done a couple of examples that aren't in an application, you might remember how to find this point of equilibrium. It's a point of intersection of the two curves. So it's an intersection of our supply and demand curves. Now remember, that's the point where the demand equals supply. That's like that magical price where you don't have either uh, too much supply and not enough demand, or too much demand and not enough items to sell. Um, and uh, 
anyway, you can you can read up on that again. I'll avoid commenting on things like you know shortages in certain things that that push up prices because that's really also related in this picture. So point of equilibrium, the point of intersection, that's where the two prices are equal, right? So the P of the supply equals the P of the demand. So that is the square root of x plus 9 equals the square root of 25 minus x. When you square both sides, and you don't even need to think about it, right? If two square roots are equal, then aren't their insides equal? Or you can square both sides and get the same thing. Then if I add x to both sides and subtract 9 from both sides, I get that 2x equals 16. So if 2x equals 16, x equals 8. Now, x could be in hundreds of items, right? So my equilibrium x is 8, meaning maybe 800 items, 8,000, 8 million. It depends on what the product is. But we're just using 8 to go along with this 25 here. Now, again, my drawing is obviously not to scale because I've gone from here to here for 8 and from here to here for, for um, what is that, 17. So obviously my picture's off. But I can manage with that. All right, so that's the x-coordinate. When we move on to consumer surplus, we're going to draw the demand function, remember its y-intercept is 5, and then it's going to come over here like this to x equals 8, and then we have a horizontal line, y equals, I don't know what y equals, y equals p of 8, right, or pe. So I need to find that. So p of 8, and actually it doesn't matter which formula you use because it's the equilibrium price, so they're equal at that x value. But anyway, I'll use the the actual demand function. It's the square root of 25 minus 8, or the square root of 17. So this is the square root of 17. Not a nice number, but it's, you know, we'll manage, right? So we have y equals the square root of 17, and we're looking for the area above, because that's the consumer surplus. Remember, the equilibrium price is what consumers would be, um, what the actual equilibrium price is, but consumers, actually, some consumers are willing to spend more for it. And so that area above the y equals square root 17 and below the demand function represents all the prices that the consumer would be willing to spend or pay for the for x items that's why it's an area price per unit times number of units gives you money right money we like that in this nice uh, capitalist country so we have money in the area under the curve all right, so we have the square root of 17 is y. So what is the area? That's the consumer surplus, and we use calculus to find it. So the area is, goes from, whoops, <laughs> lost my pen. <laughs> goes from zero. I'm all excited about this money we're making, right? Trying to get into the capitalist mentality as opposed to the academic mentality, which is my usual MO. Zero to eight. And we want 
the area. So we're going to take the top function minus the bottom. The top function is our demand function. 25 minus x inside a square root minus y equals the square root of 17 dx. So now I want to evaluate this integral. And you might think, wait, I don't know about these square roots, right? Well, first of all, this square root of 17 is just a constant. So, right, that's just k. And the integral of k dx is just kx. So that won't be a problem. What about this square root of 25 minus x? We can't just get away with rewriting it as 25 minus x to the 1 half power because it's not just x in here, right? So do you remember what we do when we have something more than just x inside a square root or inside any parentheses in the function? We need to make a substitution. u equals 25 minus x. I don't know if you can see that. u equals 25 minus x. So du is negative dx. And let's just change the limits now. If x is originally 0, u is 25 minus 0, or 25. If x is originally 8, that's our upper limit of integration, u is 25 minus 8, or 17. So now I'm going to make my substitution. I'll go over here. My consumer surplus now is going to be going from 25 to 17. And before you worry about the fact that 25 is bigger than 17, we also had to make an adjustment for our dx. dx is negative du. du is negative dx, so dx is negative du. So I have to put negative du in. And then I have u to the 1 half power. Now the other integral I'm going to just rewrite going from 0 to 8, square root 17 dx. So I made a substitution for the obstinate integral, the one the square root of 25 minus x. But the the second one, the second term, I just put in its own integral from 0 to 8. I made sure to put the minus, and then root 17 dx. So now it's just a matter of evaluating this integral. So I have negative. I add 1 to 1 half, and that's 2 halves plus 1 half is 3 halves. Divided by 3 halves is times two-thirds. So I have negative two-thirds u to the three-halves evaluated from, now this is a u, u equals 25 to u equals 17. So I won't need to change back into x's. That's great. I don't want to deal with 25 minus x anymore. Then I have minus the square root. Here I have an x, right, because it's an integral dx. So I have minus the square root of 17x evaluated from 0 to 8. Now when I substitute this stuff in, it might not be pretty, but I could approximate with a calculator. Remember, you wanted applications, right? You want to know why you have to learn all this stuff. So sometimes the numbers don't work out so great. But negative 2 thirds, 17 to the 3 halves power. Maybe I'll put in brackets and then just deal with that negative 2 thirds once. 17 to the 3 halves power minus what would come next? Actually, it wouldn't be a bad idea to pause and do the rest of this on your own and then come back. All right. 
I'm assuming you've done this on your own and you're coming back. U equals 25, plug that in. That one's actually not so bad, right? Because you can take, you can take the 1 half power of 25 and then you can cube it. That's my first integral. I'll deal with it the rest of the way in a second. Then I have minus square root 17 times x. x goes from 8 to 0, so I have... My second integral is just negative 8 square roots of 17 because subtracting 0 doesn't do anything. So I'm almost finished. I have negative 2 thirds. I can't really do anything about the 17 to 3 halves power other than to write it as 17 square roots of 17. Now let me show you the fastest way to get from here to here. The, the 3 halves power, 2 goes into 3 once, right? So that's 17 to the first. But then there's 1 half remaining. So this, the 1 half power of 17 is remaining. So that's 17 root 17. Then I have, inside brackets, I have minus. The 1 half power of 25 is 5. Then 5 to the third power is 125. Then I have minus 8 root 17 here. So I have a couple of root 17s that I could combine, unfortunately, right? So I I can combine these. First of all, I'm going to distribute the negative 2 thirds in. So I have negative 34 thirds root 17 plus 3 does not go into 125. So I have a negative 2 times a negative 125 is a positive 250 over 3 minus 8 square roots of 17. Now we have a square root 17 in two places, so I have like radicals, which um, where I grew up in California, that's what the surfers said. But anyway, we have negative 34 thirds root 17, another like radical, negative 8 root 17. And so if I change the 8 to 24 thirds, negative, now I have negative 34 thirds plus negative 24 thirds is negative 58 thirds root 17. And I'm sure the rest of you have probably gotten out your calculators a long time ago, right? But it's really important that you practice this as well. Because what if these weren't numbers? If they're variables, you've got to deal with them even more. So that's one way to write it. Or you could factor out the 1 third. Or write it all over, I guess write it all over a common denominator of 3. 3 on the bottom, 250 minus 58 root 17. That's probably the kind of form your calculator would give it to you in. And if you want to get an approximation for that, go right ahead. Now that's money. That's the consumer surplus. And that's the first part of this problem. We're going to need to pause to do the second part and then summarize what we've got.